0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now let's join today's program. The Apostle Paul said for us to be an imitator of Christ, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, give us a pattern to imitate. But how do we as fallen human beings imitate the pattern of such an excellent Christ? Stay tuned for today's life study of the Bible from the book of Philippians because we promise you it's a unique one and the view that you'll get of this matter of imitating Christ, we believe, will be very new and quite fresh. Joining us for this fellowship is Ron Kangas. Ron, great to have you back.
1: Uh, Good to be back and I'm happy to be participating in this particular segment of the life study of Philippians.
0: Ron I think it will be a special program today, this matter of taking Christ as our pattern. I'd like to read Philippians 2, uh, verses 5 through 9, just to lay a foundation for what Witness Lee will be sharing today and also for our fellowship. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal with God a treasure to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave becoming in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, and that the death of a cross. Therefore, also God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Well, let's get right into the program, Ron. Here's Witness Lee. Verses 5 through
2: 9 presents us a pattern, the pattern of Christ. I'd like to check with you, is this pattern only objective? Or this is a subjective pattern? In other words, where this Jesus is a pattern to you? In the heavens or within you? After verse 9, you have two verses. That tell us he got exalted. Exalted to the highest peak in this universe. Where God is. Let me say this. If his only objective in the third heavens and uh, charge me to uh, take him as a parent, I would tell him, Lord, I can't do it. You are that high. How could I imitate you? And you are that excellent. I am just a terrible little monkey. How could a monkey imitate an exalted Jesus, full of glory? How could? I couldn't. I cannot make it. After verse 11, you have verse 12. Verse 12 says, So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, Not only as in my presence, but now much rather in my absence, work out your own salvation. I tell you, this expression, work out your own salvation, in other words, work out a salvation. This is altogether not a logical word. Sorry, Brother Paul. As long as it is a salvation, how could the salvation be worked out by me? If I can work out the salvation, that is not a salvation, that's my working.
0: Ron, glad that this is just our first session because it's uh, certainly asked a lot more questions than were answered so far. Uh, Maybe use this as a starting point and talk a little bit about some of the dilemmas or questions that Witness Lee has raised for us.
1: We have a word concerning Christ as a pattern. So immediately the usual human thought is that we try to follow it or imitate it or fashion ourselves in such a way that we match it or correspond to it. But consider who the pattern is. The pattern is the ascended, glorified Jesus, who has been exalted by God. His name is the highest name. We know from parallel scriptures, he's ascended to the right hand of God. He is enthroned to carry out God's administration. So Christ, in this aspect, is utterly transcendent, the perfect, glorified, marvelous God-man. And here we are on earth. First, mere humans, even at best by creation, but we're fallen, we are a flesh of sin, our body's a body of sin and a body of death. Yes, the believers in Christ have been redeemed. We have been regenerated. We have the divine life in our regenerated spirit. But still, physically, we are on earth. Physically, we're in the old creation. How, literally, on earth are we to imitate such a pattern? Well, I don't want to get ahead of what will be coming forth. I just underline the question. Then Paul raises another question for us when he talks about working out your salvation. And then he, with some emphasis, says, how can it be salvation if we are working it out? Our thought, based upon the Scriptures, Concerning eternal salvation is that it is altogether a matter of grace, not of works. And it is. Maybe, and I mean more than maybe, but I'm anticipating, so I just say maybe. Maybe Paul is thinking of salvation in another sense. So if we are limited in our concept to eternal salvation from God's judgment, from the lake of fire being redeemed and regenerated to be with the Lord and all the saints in the New Jerusalem, then we really have a dilemma. How do we work that out? So let's prepare ourselves now for more ministry on this by considering maybe the pattern isn't only objective. Maybe the pattern is the Christ who is in us, indicated by the words, let this mind be in you. That's something subjective. Then perhaps, as indicated already by Paul's word in chapter 1, this will turn out to my salvation, perhaps the salvation that we work out is not the eternal salvation, but it is nevertheless a very real and particular aspect of salvation that we work out, in response to and in cooperation with God's operating in us. So let's see what else will come forth and respond to the word that's released.
0: Well, let's go on and take a look at the answer. We get our biggest help from this verse, verse 12. So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much rather in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: What is the salvation mentioned here, verse 12, referring to, according to the beginning of this verse, so then, my beloved, work out your own salvation. Based upon so then, salvation must refer to something in the foregoing verses the pattern the pattern that is Christ is our salvation you know the salvation that saved us from God's condemnation and so forth that can salvation we have received that can salvation didn't need us to work out But this kind of salvation, the salvation in Philippians, is a further salvation. It's a higher salvation. And this salvation is much, much higher than the one mentioned in Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus. You and your household will be saved. That salvation doesn't need our working out. But the salvation in the Philippines needs us to work out. And this salvation is not some matters. And this salvation is not some things. And this salvation is a living person. And this living person is the very Christ whom we live. And whom we experience. And whom we enjoy.
0: Ron, I think it was perhaps in the previous section, but one of these two, he posed a question. If salvation is something that we can work out, how then is it really salvation? We know salvation is not a matter of our own work, so what does Paul mean here when he tells us to work out our salvation?
1: The little words, so then, that introduce this thought are crucial because the words, so then, indicate a result, an outcome of the foregoing. And in the previous verses in chapter 2, Paul is appealing to all the believers in Philippi to have the same mind, to think the one thing, to have no rivalry, no competition, no murmurings, no reasonings, to have the same love for one another, to be in one accord. So there are things in the Christian life and church life that are negative from which we need to be saved. We need to be saved from rivalry. We need to be saved from dissenting reasonings. We need to be saved from biased and preferential love. We need to be saved from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We need to be saved from only considering our virtues and not able to appreciate others and even count them better than ourselves. So this is a practical experiential salvation that is necessary for our maturation in the Christian life and for our living a church life in the genuine oneness of the Spirit. Next, we need to see that this salvation is not a thing. It is a person. And when I heard Witness Lee using this expression, I immediately thought of two portions in the Gospel of Luke. The first is when the infant Jesus was brought, according to the law, to the priest to be circumcised, to go through the procedure, and an elderly man named Simeon had been shown by the communication from the Spirit, he would not die until he had seen the Christ. As he held the infant Jesus in his hand, he said, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation he saw a little person who was salvation itself. When this little one matured, it was past the age of 30 and in his ministry, he confronted a tax collector named Zacchaeus, and he said, salvation has come to your house. Then he said, I, Jesus, must stay at your house. So salvation is a person living in us, Because he's living in us, he is the pattern in us. Because he's living in us, his mind, his thought, related to emptying himself, not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped, becoming in the fashion of a man, humbling himself, being obedient unto death, this person with this mind is in us. And this is the salvation we work out. And according to the context of verses 12 and 13 in Philippians 2, our working out is not something we do by our own energy or strength. It is our cooperation with the triune God who is operating in us, both the willing and the working according to his good pleasure. So we work out not eternal salvation, we receive that as a gift of grace. We work out a subjective salvation, Christ himself, so that we may be saved practically and experientially from various negative things in our being and in our situation so that we can be truly one, have a mind that's saturated with Christ, and bring joy to the Lord and to the Apostle.
0: Ron, as we saw in some of the earlier programs in Philippians, it seems Paul was actually demonstrating what he was exhorting the believers to do in his circumstances. He was imprisoned, probably in a very harsh situation, maybe even brutal. Yet, Witness Lee said that his outward demeanor reflected his inward condition, and that was he was full of joy. Now, joy is not something you can imitate in an outward way, is it? It's really a condition that springs out of an inward living and an
1: inward inner experience of Christ. Paul truly was enjoying the Lord in the midst of his suffering, and to anticipate what he says in chapter 4, he was content. He said he had learned the secret. He can do all things in Christ who empowers him. He had learned the secret. He had been initiated into learning to be content in any situation, in all situations. He learned how to be abased, as he was then, how to abound, as he might have experienced on rare occasions. So the joy, the peace, he spoke of God as the God of peace. His contentment, his ministering spirit, all indicate that he is living out the very words he's writing to the Philippians, that he himself is an illustration of working out this salvation and of having the mind that was in Christ Jesus in his mind. No wonder he had the grace to say in First 1 Timothy 1.16, although he was such a great sinner, he received mercy from the Lord to be a pattern To all those who would later believe. Here is Paul as a pattern who took Christ as his pattern subjectively by working out Christ as salvation in such a Christ magnifying and glorifying manner. Well, we saw
0: the first key in this verse, so then, my beloved, we just read, work out your own salvation. But Paul goes on to say in the very next verse, and perhaps this is a greater key. For it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working, for his good pleasure. The word for in this verse is very important. Paul is not charging us to take this objective Christ as an outward pattern and then try to imitate him. We all agree by now I think this is impossible. We need to find out in this coming section the part that we have. What part do we play in this salvation to be worked out when it comes to God operating in us? Let's go back to Witness Lee for his final portion.
1: You have to work out your
2: salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working, working out your own salvation. You may say, my, my, I cannot work out. Uh Aha, you cannot work out, he can. You are not able. The one who is able is right now in you. Amen. You have to work out your salvation for it is God operating in you to the will within and the working without. We are not taking Christ as an objective person to imitate him. No. This salvation is just God himself operating us to save us. We have to work out the salvation, but we can't. Yet, God, the able God, the capable God, now he is operating in us. He operates in us to will within and to working without. So what? So we just cooperate with him. And you have to know what is cooperate. I must illustrate in this way. Now we have the light in this room. Now we have the air conditioning in this room. Can you shine as all the lights? Can you cool this room? I cannot. But one thing that is operating in this room that is electricity. And this power can. But we need to cooperate. We need to go to the switch. We need to switch on to cooperate. Hallelujah. He has been installed into you. Just like electricity has been installed into this building. Yet you need to cooperate with him. Dear ones, this is to take the pattern.
0: Ron, a very good illustration here. When we consider these verses in context, what we see is the pattern of our salvation, and that is salvation really is God himself operating in us to save us in a daily, practical way, regardless of our circumstances. In ourselves, we can't work out salvation, but the one who is able is now operating in us to inwardly work out our salvation that that doesn't mean that we don't have any responsibility in this matter, does it?
1: We certainly have a definite responsibility. Paul makes that emphatically clear. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That shows the significance of this, the weight of this. So this is something that we are charged to do. This is an apostolic command given by one living under the authority of Christ, with the ministry of the Spirit. So we cannot circumvent or sidestep this verse. We have to face it. And if we do, we can be blessed. So we need to say amen to the verse which says, work out. Then we realize we're not able, unaided, to do this. Then Paul introduces an explanation. For, for, it is God who operates in you. He doesn't say the Father or the Christ or the Spirit. He says God. God is actively operating in us. He is working. He is working inwardly. He said in us. If we are to work out something... That thing must be at least with us, actually, in us. So God does two things in his working. Quite wonderful. He works out both the willing on our part to overcome our resistance, any stubbornness, any disobedience, any reluctance, any passivity. How wonderful that God operates in us, to make us willing to work out our own salvation. Then he works out the actual doing of it. So God is taking the initiative. He is doing the energizing, the operating, the working. Our part is to cooperate, to coordinate, to be one with him. This kind of salvation is not worked out by the Lord alone. Our eternal salvation was accomplished by Him alone through His death and resurrection. This salvation is not accomplished by God alone. It is by God operating us, the willing and the working, and our cooperating by working out this salvation even with fear and trembling.
0: Those uh, experiences that we have along the way where we find ourselves not only enabled, but as you just described, unwilling to do what the Lord has set before us. And yet, if we open even in that condition and just confess where we're at, telling Him uh, of our unwillingness, we find something somehow begins to work a willingness that we had no capacity to produce on our own. Ron, I really appreciate this ministry, as I know you do because it's not afraid to tackle some difficult issues, seemingly difficult. And often these are passages that many uh, in ministry or theologians may tend to skirt around because they might seem contradictory. We are saved by grace. Yet Paul says here in Philippians that we are to work out our salvation. Certainly sounds contradictory, but as we're seeing, there is no contradiction here really, is there?
1: No, there is none Rather, there is the whole counsel of God. Here we have both aspects of the truth. What Witness Lee does is minister the pure word as it is. He's not bound by a systematic theology which has the effect of minimizing, if not in effect ignoring, certain truths. Here we have a balanced presentation Our eternal salvation is a gift we receive. The salvation in Ephesians 2 is the working out of Christ as salvation through our cooperation with God's willing and working according to his good pleasure.
0: Ron, thanks for being with us today. Your fellowship was, as always, a marvelous contribution to the program. We hope you'll uh, contact us, those of you listening. Uh, You can reach us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. We'd like to tell you about all of the materials, a vast array, really, a vast library of materials we have available at Living Stream, how you might order these Life Study messages in print, or even how to find them on the web easily and be able to read them free of charge. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. And... Especially, we hope you'll join us for our next program. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online, or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY that's eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. 543 3788 Thanks for listening.